Welcome back to your next stop. This is Juliette Hahn. In this episode, I speak with Chelsea Newmeyer. She helps solopreneurs and business leaders to maximize their time. She is all things time management, loves it. She actually has a podcast from overwhelmed to under control. Listen to how Chelsea kind of found this path, which she absolutely loves. And she loves helping those people really dive in and maximize their time with just some tips and how she coaches them. You can find Chelsea at her website, which is Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-Y-N-E-W-M-Y-E-R.com. You can also find Chelsea on Instagram, which is Chelsea N coaching. And you can also find the podcast from overwhelmed to under control on all the podcast players. Chelsea is also on LinkedIn. You do not want to miss this. Another person that has followed a passion and turned it to a business. I also wanted to remind you guys that I am a storytelling consultant. I help people be able to articulate their stories to connect deeper with people. So whether you're on the podcast circuit, whether you're a host or a guest, whether you have a uh, your own business, an entrepreneur, whether you're a solopreneur, whether you have a product that you created, whether you're getting on TED Talks, media circuits, writing a book, you need to be able to connect with the audience deeper. And I help you do just that. I offer a 30-minute free consultation to see if we are a match and then we can go from there. I've been helping clients do this now for a long time because of the questions I ask. I usually take my podcast guests or clients down a hole that they maybe haven't thought about. And it's really exciting to see when they get excited and then they connect those dots. So I do just that. Please, uh, you can email me at info at com for that free 30-minute consultation to see if we are a match. We will see you guys next week for another episode of Your Next Stop, but please enjoy Enjoy the episode coming up. Hello, welcome back to your next stop. This is Juliet Hahn. I say it every episode, but I'm truly excited to share another passion story with you. Chelsea Newmeyer, welcome to your next stop. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So really quickly, Chelsea is a time management coach. You can find her on her website, ChelseaNewmeyer.com. You can also find her on Instagram, Chelsea N Coaching, and she also is on LinkedIn. So welcome again. I'm excited to uh, connect with this. I know we, you know, originally connect talked for a couple minutes and I was like, you know, this will be fun. So if you can start with a little bit of your background, where you grew up, if you went to university. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in upstate New York near Albany. And I always say near Albany because sometimes I say upstate New York and people think like Buffalo or Syracuse, but I'm in like the Albany capital region area. Um, and I went to university at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute and with RPI, which is up in Troy, New York. And my undergraduate degree is actually in biomedical engineering. Just very helpful as a productivity coach. <laughs> yeah. So I, right. So what I actually, now I need to know what um, I'm fascinated by engineers because it's literally the opposite of the way my brain works. So what made you kind of decide to study that? I've always been someone who loves math and sciences and problem solving and really kind of like tinkering and figure things out. My mom was a nurse growing up and my dad was a mechanic for airlines. So I think I was just kind of born with that biology and like the nursing and the problem solving, all of those things in my DNA. And I toy with so many, I wanted, I was one of those kids who wanted to be something different every other week when I was growing up, I was just always interested and fascinated by learning new things. So at some point I landed on 
forensic scientist when CSI came out and that was really cool. So I was like determined to be a forensic scientist. And then I realized that it wasn't like the TV show. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> I was interested in medicine for a while, but I was one worried about all the schooling, but also thinking like I would have made miss the kind of mechanical part of that. And so that's where I landed in biomedical engineering. Interesting. So what did you do that? What, you know, with that, when you graduated? Absolutely nothing. I knew about sophomore year that I actually was not fit <laughs> to be an engineer. Um, it was way more math that I was interested in. And then as a biomedical engineer, it was way more like pipetting and lab work than I was interested in. I think I was, um, you know, you don't exactly know what you're getting into, but I always say that if I could go back and do it again, I would actually do the exact same thing. Even though it was so hard, um, because I met some of those brilliant people ever at that school, it made me work so so hard. And I mean, an engineering degree is never going to be a detriment to me, so I still have no regrets. But I was taking classes in marketing and writing as minors. I have minors in marketing and professional writing, and those classes, acing them, like straight four point in my minors, my major, not so much. <laughs> so that's so interesting because this is what, you know, I've had some engineers on that turned into entrepreneurs and it really does fascinate me because to me, in, in my mind, it's, um, it's, it's using two sides of your brain. And, you know, I always feel like, you know, someone has a right side brain, left side brain, and what is the strength there? So the fact that you were going into you know, the biomedical engineering, but you really were exceeding and excelling in the writing and the, um, and the marketing. What do you think, like, where do you think that came from? So I, I think where my strength lies, like when, I, when I, where it meets and meshes is actually my very first job out of school was, um, a technical writer. So I worked on a team of engineers and I was the person who translated what the engineers, the information that the engineers gave into something that was like usable for a lay person to understand. And I think that's a real strength of mine and, and thinking th through also the process by which the engineers got the information to the editors. Because when I got to this company, it was like the engineers would like pop their head over the cubicle or like shoot a random email and it wasn't streamlined or systematized. And so I was able to take the logical part of my brain to create that system, but also the more kind of communicative, emotional side to be able to speak engineer and speak editor and have those two meet in the middle and make sure that we're all speaking the same language. We can understand each other. Being an engineer who has the strong social skills is really helpful too. So I could kind of connect those two pieces. That's really cool. So what made you, you know, as you graduated, you realized, okay, I don't want to go into biomedical engineering. And so did you kind of know the path that you wanted to do? Or did you fall into your first job? Fell into the technical writing for sure. I, when I was in college, I also was um, the chair of the, our Relay for Life Committee, which is an American Cancer Society fundraiser that's typically done on college campuses or in towns. It's like a 24-hour event. So I was the chair of that for my senior year and had been involved for three years. So I was running an event that raised over $100,000 on this campus. And that's where my passion for nonprofit really came into place. I realized that I can, I'm really good at 
organizing those kinds of events and rallying people behind a cause. I'm not scared of asking people for money, which is really important. And I, so I just, I loved that world. I loved the project management piece of it. I loved the, the soft skills and the relationship building piece of it as well. So an opportunity became available at a local university and some, one of my friends was working there in a different department and said, Hey, you should check this out. I think you would like it. And so they really just took a shot on me because I had no, you know, the kind of classic nonprofit or person is a marketing background or communications or something like that. So they really took a shot on me and I fell in love with the field. That's amazing. And so, you know, I, one of the things I want the listeners to take out of this, and this is why I love doing this podcast so much, is that you were doing many different things. You thought you wanted to do one thing. So you, you know, you decided to, to not do that and, and take minors and then realized, okay, wait, let me kind of explore here because this is not, you know, what I'm doing is not scratching an itch. Let me try these other things. So this brings me to my other question. Why did you stay with that major? Were you too far into it and you didn't want to kind of go back and have to retake? Or was it just that because you said that was my major and you kind of were that personality that were like, I'm going to see it through? It was actually because RPI is an engineering school. So it was a very specialized school that didn't have a lot of other choices. If I had gone to a bigger university, I probably would have changed my major, but it was a very expensive school to be studying like marketing or communications at. So part of it was a long conversation with my parents where they weren't thrilled with me changing my major. So I it was like, like I said, about sophomore year where I said, okay, well, an engineering degree is never going to hurt me. I'll just focus. I'll do my best in my engineering classes, I'll do everything that I can. And I tried hard and and got through it, but I'm really going to dedicate myself to the learning part of my minors because that's where I knew I was going to, that's what was really good at where my strengths already were. So I leaned into learning that. Right. No, very interesting. So did you think about ever transferring or was it, no, let me just stick this out. I was too in love with the community. I was too in love with the culture of the school. My friends, like I said, if I could do it again, I would do it the same way because that school made me like pushed me so hard. And I don't know if I would have gotten that experience if I had gone to a bigger school or um, a school without like a different type of um, university experience. I loved being, yeah, I loved being at the nerdy school. (laughs) Right. And I think it's, we just actually want the episode that just released on Monday, Allison Griffin, she's the head of state farm and of marketing. And she wanted to be a pharmacist. So she went in, in California, went to a school specifically for pharmacy and realized like her sophomore, junior year that that's not what she wanted to do. But it was so expensive. It was like a really expensive school. Her parents were like, you can't, there's, you're not going to just take an advertising class and stay here. Like you can't do that. So she ended up transferring her senior year, but was able to kind of pivot it and get into the, like do the marketing. But she was saying the same thing. She loved it so much and it was so hard to make that choice, but it was, you know, she didn't have the choice. So I think it's so interesting that I just had two different stories that have the same sort of thing, because I think it's really important for the listeners to hear that because there's sometimes you do have the opportunities to be like, okay, I can stay or I can change or you don't have the opportunity and you have to pivot and figure it out. So I think it's really important that you explore all your options. Don't just get yourself stuck in in a situation because you feel like that's what you have to do because that's what you said. And so many of us do that, right? We go into college, this is our major. 
And then we're like, wait, this is really not. We switch or we change or other people just stay there because they're like, that's what I did. And that's when people get stuck in life. Yeah. I actually had the opportunity um, later in my career to be an advisor to high school students. And we were talking about the college process and what they were interested in. They were all juniors. And I, it was just, I think, very reassuring for them to hear that I was doing something that was totally not related to my major because it's, it's much more common than we see, right? We see a lot of people who graduated and are doing something totally different. And so it takes some of the pressure off yourself, right? Like go for what you're interested in at 18 years old and then see where it takes you because you're going to be introduced to so many new opportunities to learn and, and things that you're going to be passionate about. Right. And, it, and that is such an important thing you say, because the schools do put so much pressure on these kids. Like you need to figure out your major. You need to figure out your major. I mean, my son's going through it. You know, he's a, a junior right now. So we're, you know, talking about it. And he's like, I don't know. I mean, I guess I want to do something in sports and maybe sports management communications. I have really no idea. And I, I say to him, I'm like, listen, honey, unless you want to be like a specialized doctor, it really doesn't matter you know, you, you want to, okay, if this is what you're interested, you should see if the school has it before we really dive into it. But you might change. I mean, when I went to school, I went in for corporate fitness, ended up having to take anatomy and physiology and was like, oh, I do not want to do this. And then transfer, you know, changed and did go into communications, radio, television, and film ended up going in the advertising sales route. There was one class that taught advertising sales. I fell completely in love with that and went that route. And now I'm doing what I actually did. Like, you know, the, the creative part of my major is actually what I'm doing now at 49 years old. That's so awesome. it's like, you know, it really is kind of interesting. And then I had a stint when my kids were little that I did fitness. I actually taught classes and, and taught, you know, people health and all that stuff. So it was really kind of funny. It was kind of both of the things that I was good at that I ended up doing later in life after, you know, my, when, when I stayed home with my kids. So it really does. We all have these different chapters of our lives and we all pivot in different in different periods. And it's important to let yourself do that because what you, you know, what I say is you don't want, I mean, it's like my biggest fear. I know it will never happen to me, but for someone to be stuck in their life because they feel like they have no choice. And it's always, this is my, my, what I say to them. And it's always kind of funny, but you're not a tree. Like you don't have roots in the ground. You can get up and move and do something different. If you are not happy, you have one life. Why be stuck? Absolutely. And I think for me too, is also, there's that fear of like, wow, what are other people going to think? Right. Like, and I think there's also, especially when you go into a field like engineering or medicine, like there's a lawyer, right? Like there's these stigmas of these like highly professional, highly educated fields. And so it took about five years before my, I had to have a little heart to heart with my parents to say, I'm not going to be an engineer. Like, I think they thought it was like a phase because I, I got, I would go to family holidays. I'm like, Oh wait, are you when are you going to go into engineering? Have you thought about going, wait, what are you doing? And finally I was like, I'm, I'm not going to be an engineer. Like we got to move on. Like, this is what I love to do. I'm, it's, it's over. Like, I'm so sorry that I dashed your dreams, but like <laughs> we're moving on. And because it was so hard though. I was so like, I was embarrassed, right? Like it's, it's hard sometimes when you're so focused on what other people think of that. Again, highly educate or anything really. It doesn't have to be highly educated either. It's anything. No, I, you're so right on that. So after the technical writing, where did you go from there? So that's when I moved into fundraising. So I moved into a, um, a small shop university in upstate New York and 
I loved it. It was so much fun. I learned a ton. I worked in the annual fund and that was kind of like the start of my trajectory. So then I kind of transitioned into independent schools and I've stayed there ever since. So working at either day schools or boarding schools, um, either in, in upstate New York and then I moved to DC. Right. And I know when we talked about this, because I know this is not like the typical traditional episode I have on, but then when I had Allison from State Farm, that wasn't a traditional one because a lot of times it's entrepreneurs that I have on this. And I said to you, okay, I'm very interested. Do you always want to stay in the nonprofit and grow your business, which we're going to talk about? You know, you have a a business also. And you said, yeah, no, I want to do both always because it really kind of scratches both, both of my itches. So I love that you know that. And that's where you're moving forward and that's what you do. So tell, take us through a little bit of when you decided to start your own business and, and when, when that started. Yeah. So I, when I joined kind of the more corporate world, I realized how I've always been this like time management productivity nerd, right? I was like that kid who like got your planner in middle school and was like super jazzed about it and <laughs> like used it. Right. So... <laughs> I, and then I went to an engineering school where like everybody had to be on top of your game because there was so much work and it was so hard. Like you couldn't take a beat to like slack off. And so then I got into the corporate world and I was like, Oh, not everybody has this skill. Like not everybody knows how to use Excel. Not everybody like knows how to manage their inbox or their time or some of this, this kind of basic stuff. So I was kind of that go-to person in the office for a long time and just started building up an awareness of it, I guess, to start. And then the kind of the skills and, and um, tools to talk to people and coach people through it and start identifying where there's opportunities for efficiencies in an office and in a team. Then I became um, an executive function tutor for high school students. And that's when it really clicked like, wow, this is not taught in schools, right? Like this is not something that's just inherent to people. And from there, that's actually where I started building up the kind of taking it a step back to say like, okay, let's break it down into these, these kinds of steps. So when the pandemic hit, I had an extra hour and a half in my day because I wasn't commuting anymore. And that's when I had time to kind of put it all together, put my thoughts together and officially launch my business, um, which I've been thinking about for years, but knew that I wanted to start working with individuals who just are really effective at their jobs. They're really good at what they do. They just don't have the, the skills or haven't really taken... It's actually they don't have the skills. It's actually more they haven't just taken the time to think through some of the practical things like how does their schedule look? How are they managing their inbox? What does their backend systems look like? Right. Which is so important because when you said, you know, the, the time management piece and executive functioning. So like anyone that doesn't know executive functioning, this is how I always explain it because I actually am deficient in executive functioning because of my dyslexia. So I, this is how I explain it kind of in layman's terms. And you can kind of let me know if, if I said this right. But if my house is a mess and every room is a mess, I don't know where to start. I literally stand and I'm like, uh, and then I don't do anything. <laughs> and it, 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 it doesn't do anything. My husband will say, hey, I'll start here. You start there. Great. I go and start there. And, and we're good. But my brain doesn't do it on its own. My brain gets overwhelmed if there's too much that I have to choose or pick from. So, and I'm, as I've gotten older, I'm much, much better. But as a kid, you can picture that as a kid in school that it's like, okay, here's 10 tasks to do. The kid that is deficient in exec, you know, executive functioning is standing there going, 
I don't know where to start. So they don't start. The teachers then say, what's wrong with you? You're lazy. Why aren't you starting? It's not because they're lazy. It's because their brain is literally like, I don't know where to start. Or if they have a ton of different homework assignments, they have six homework assignments. They don't know which one to start and they don't know where to start. And so it's just spinning and then they get themselves into trouble because they're not doing their homework. Then the teachers say, why aren't you doing your homework? I mean, this is, you know, this, this was a little bit of my life. If you cannot, <laughs> I talk about it so easy, but it is one of those things. I had a mom that was very good and very good at time management. So she would keep me on task. So. I love that you are helping people do that because it's not taught in school. They just assume if you don't do it, then you're lazy and there's something wrong with you. Instead of helping, you break it down. Now, you will have teachers that will acknowledge and know, oh, wait, maybe they need... like So it is something that's talked about a little bit more. But I feel like when I was a kid, executive functioning was not a word that was used. No. And I don't remember it being... I don't remember that ever being taught for me either. The best example I always think of is like being taught how to put together a research paper. Like I remember giving, being given like step-by-step step what she wanted to see with specific deadlines for an English paper and a history paper. We were given like step-by-step, step. but that's the, but it wasn't taught like this is how you're supposed to do this. It was more taught like this is how I want to see it. So it wasn't something that you could internalize to say, oh, this is how I should be breaking down how I do my, how I choose what homework, you know, how I prioritize the homework I'm going to do every night, how I prioritize the 50 math problems I need to get done and break those down into smaller chunks. Like it's, it's not taught on how to apply. I can only just think of those specific examples. Well, and it's crazy, actually, if you think about it, it's really crazy that it's not taught because it is a life skill. And I will always take it back. So my, I think, you know, my listeners know my oldest son went to very, we were very fortunate. He actually went to a dyslexic school um, for a period of time when he was young. And that was the one thing that they talked about. Like that was the first thing they taught their students was executive functioning. Hey, we're going to work on that. And I was like, that's brilliant. Like, why don't like that should be taught in every school because every person can benefit from it. Even kids that, that have naturally, they have that skill. It's not going to hurt them to redo it because they might actually find something that's even more efficient, but they don't teach it. And it's very frustrating because it doesn't make any sense to me. It's the things that I fight about public school all the time. And it's like, I'm just like, you know, that, that mom again, that's like, I don't do it anymore because my kids are older, but like, you know, I was younger. I was like, I don't understand why you, okay, here's, here's his strengths. Let's, let's work. Let's praise those instead of always talking about the weaknesses, but let's give skills for the weaknesses like executive functioning. A hundred percent. And yeah, when I was tutoring, it was also, you know, how to read a text, like how to read a textbook, but also if you're not a, you don't learn best by reading, how can we make sure that you get that information in a way that's going to match your strengths? So that's why I always talk about now it's productivity is personal. It's, it's executive function is personal, right? What is going to work best for you and your natural strengths and your inclinations and the things that you are going, where you're going to naturally shine and prefer to work in, because I'm not going to make you fit some other system that is just going to be a struggle and you're not going to be able to keep up with it. 
Well, and that's the other thing, right? I mean, because it is very specific to people, especially if they do have, you know, their deficit in executive functioning, because there's other people, again, that it just kind of is a natural thing, but everyone can learn it. I mean, it's, it's silly. So I love that that's where you started. So then take us through, because I know you have a podcast as well. Take us through how that kind of the whole thing evolved. Sure. So it was just kind of, you know, as, as most entrepreneurs start, I think, winging it, right? Like see what stuck. Um, and I realized I really love the, the one-on-one work because again, it's so personal, right? So I want to be able to sit down with a person and brainstorm what's going to make sense for them. And then, um, but I've also... Again, I just kind of love nerding out and talking about it. So the podcast is just my opportunity to interview people and see how they manage their day. So we kind of go into the nitty gritty about, okay, what what does a normal routine look like for you? How do you break down your work? Because it just demonstrates that all of these different people are doing incredible things and they're all doing it a little bit different. So it's not going to be this like Googling what's the best schedule because just because you know, Richard Branson wakes up at four o'clock in the morning does not mean you need to in order to be successful, right? We have to make sure that it works best for for you. So I, that's why I love the podcast is it's just that opportunity to kind of like nerd it and be nosy as to what other people are doing um, in their day-to-day life. Right. And so, and I love like, because I love when I just speak to entrepreneurs that then like they have steps of things they did. So you started the business, you started doing the one-on-one, then the podcast came. How did you, because I get this question a lot and, and I always am fascinated how other people do it, but how did you come up with the name and the names of things that you did? Did you, do? was it like, okay, this is going to be the name and I'm going to go with it? Or was it like you had a couple different names and you're like, let's feel and how, how does this work? If you can take us through that journey a little bit. So the name of the podcast is From Overwhelmed to Under Control. And I think it's just because I I was using my own life as an example. Like I get overwhelmed. I'm like, I have so much to do. How am I going to do it? It's like that, that awful like little paralyzed feeling, that like pressure, right? Like, so I was just thinking, like, I need to be in control of this. I need to be in control of my time. I need to like make decisions about task management. I have, ta- you know, like, so it was really just how I wanted to feel. And when I was talking to different clients and different customers, you know, different, um, in different places of my work, that's what they were saying to me. It's like, I feel really overwhelmed. I feel, I, I don't know, like same thing I ever just thought, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to prioritize this. I feel out of control. And so really that's, that was what the inspiration was is because I want people to recognize that when feeling overwhelmed is not weird. Like it's very normal to feel that way. And, but you need, you know, the goal then is to get like, okay, let's get in control of this and be intentional with our time. Right. So I love that. Um, and so then also when you came up with your business name, cause I know like for myself, I had, I didn't have, like I had a brand first. I had, I mean, my, mine came from a podcast first and then the business kind of evolved from there, which, you know, I, I always do everything backwards. <laughs> just the way I work. A lot of times people start a business and then the podcast comes out of there, but it, it, it's, it's actually so funny that that's how mine evolved because it literally, I always start at Z and work up where of it, but that's my dyslexia. I like do things opposite. So when you were deciding to open your coaching business, was it always going to be your name or did you have other names? Cause I love, you know, my listeners always ask, like, that's something that they're always gotcha. fascinated about. Yeah. So my, actually the official name of my business is like Chelsea Newmeyer productivity coaching, which I really regret actually, because it's too specific. <laughs> so I have a DBA, which just my name, which allows me to then have more options and more opportunity, um, under, under 
my name. So I, my recommendation would just be keep it general because now my like my email is like a terrible at because it's that's like what I read. So yeah, I, that was just a, a grow a nice growing lesson in starting a business. But we all do that, right? I mean, I think, you know, my listeners know, and most of them, but my podcast when I first started was called Next Stop Crazy Town. And that was like very endearing to my heart because it was all about personal journal stories. And it's like Crazy Town to me is just love. It's my kids. It's my dogs. It's my husband. It's my family. It's my extended family. We have a huge family. And so Crazy Town. But then as I kept, you know, started interviewing people after... I stopped doing the personal journal stories. They kind of ran out and COVID happened. And I realized I loved what I was doing and that I was good at it. And I actually can make this a business. And someone said to me, you know, crazy town. That's just, I don't, I don't know that I would have been on your podcast if I didn't know you. I had gotten to know them in clubhouse. And, um, I said, Oh, why? And they're like, crazy town is, is to me like, like an insane asylum. Like someone has a problem. And I was like, Oh, right. <laughs> okay. I think I need to rethink that. So it took me a little while, but I did rebrand, but I had the website next up crazy town. My email was Juliet at next up crazy town. And I never shut, like I kept, you know, I kind of folded that. But then if someone does type that in, it will go to I am Juliet Han website. But then again, I was going back and forth because there is a Juliet Hahn. I just wanted my website to be JulietHahn.com. She is a professor at the Citadel. She's older than me. She's actually Korean as well. So it was like completely opposite. And I'm like, okay, I have to figure this out, but I don't want, I want it to be my name. So then I was just was like, I am, that's it. I am Juliet Han. And it worked better that it does, but it's funny because it really, you know, I went around and around. That was one thing that I it was, that was difficult because it was like, I want it to be simple and I want it to make sense. But I also want it to be the brand and not just the podcast because now it is a brand and it's a business. And so, yeah, it's one of those things that entrepreneurs ask me all the time. Like the first thing, like, how did you come up with that? And we all learn. We make mistakes and then we kind of grow from there. Yeah. I think if you search Chelsea Newmeyer productivity, that will redirect you to my current website. Because the other problem I was having is like productivity is hard to spell quickly. Like it's, right. I have to spell it out loud every time. <laughs> Right. And it's very annoying. So that's, I, again, it was a great learning opportunity. I, I, if I could go back, I may have started with just Chelsea Neumeyer. Um, but Hey, you know, I was passionate about productivity and wanted that to be highlighted. <laughs> right. Which is exciting. So tell us a little bit about what is next, um, for you, where you are, like, you know, do you have some dreams that you can share with us? Yeah. So my one-on-one is really my focus now is because again, it's so much fun for me. I have such a great time speaking with different people. Um, but looking ahead of my business, I really want to I've been working with solopreneurs for a while and I love working with solopreneurs, but also going back a little bit to my original audience of working with nonprofit leaders too, because I just know that they're in a similar position. They have to be entrepreneurial. So it's like the same kind of mindset that you have. And they're also working, I would say like you have to maximize limited resources. So it's the same kind of, um, thinking there to work back with those, but no, re, um, a podcast has took a little break over the winter. So um, that's going to be coming up again soon. 
and hoping to just be more visible. I love teaching. I love coaching. So that's really my my goal for 2023 is to just get out there as much as possible. Well, I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining your next stop and and sharing your story because I know people are going to resonate with it. I know people are going to be excited about it. People are going to like to learn about your steps and kind of how you got where you are now and the fact that you were went to school for engineering because that's really what you thought and then how you pivoted I think is really beautiful because so many people have done that or there's people going to be listening that need to do it. So thank you again for joining your next stop. Thank you. This is great. You guys, you know what to do. Like, share, rate, and review. You might be listening to this and be like, oh, that's a great story, but you do not know who needs to hear this. So share with as many people as you can. Don't forget to check out Chelsea on her website, chelseanewmeyer.com. They can find the podcast. You can find one-on-one coaching. You can do all that there. Chelsea is also on LinkedIn and on Instagram, Chelsea N Coaching. So thank you again, Chelsea. Thank you. I hope you liked this episode of Your Next Stop. Please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends, and join in each week. 